glad you're here. It's hot. We uh, left out last week to go to Florida and left the cicadas and came back to the cicadas. We had hoped that that whole scenario would have changed, but sure enough, we pulled back into the into Cookville and Rita Marie, my oldest, said, "Oh no, I hear them. I hear them." But it's so glad we're so glad to be back. And you know, hey Blake, can you start it? I've left my iPod out in my car. But it's so funny that you know we the timing of this about slowing down it being summer trying to get a hold of your life, trying to realize what's important, what's not important. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, our life has sped up so fast. We are moving so fast. And if we do not get control, if we do not slow down, the world is going to go right by us and we're going to miss what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want the church to miss it. I don't want my family to miss it. I don't want to miss it. You see it so clearly with your own children. You blink your eyes and they're starting kindergarten. You blink your eyes again and they're starting high school. You blink your eyes again and they're graduating. You blink again they're getting married, having children. Next thing you know, your grandparents and you, know, you, you blink your eyes and your life is gone. Well, I want to fulfill. I want to fulfill now. I don't want to wait until I'm 50 to try to start fulfilling my life. I want to start fulfilling it now. Funny thing is, I'm not that far from 50. That was, I said it thinking 50 so far away, and then I thought real quickly, it's not that far away. <laughs> it's, it's getting closer. You know, our life is sped up, and we've looked that we've got to see, and I've been laying out for you, counterculture changes, things that go against the world. The church is supposed to go against the grain. We are not supposed to go with the world. We are supposed to be a light, salt and light. We're supposed to be something that gives the world flavor, not waters it down. And we've been looking at five counterculture changes, the total opposite of our culture. Number one, this is a toughie, learn contentment. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, you say, Pastor, why do you share this scripture every single week? Because I think it is that impactful. I guarantee you, you've learned not to be content over the last week. Even though we've gotten this scripture the last few times, it's easy to lose your contentment. Is it not? You start wanting more. You start wanting it different. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You know what that means? It means he's got peace. He's okay. What is he saying? I realize God's in control. What good does it do for me to worry? None. It just makes me sick. And it says, I've learned. You've got to learn it. This does not come natural. You come out of the womb, uncontent, discontent. I love making up words. I feel like George W. Bush. You know, I can just make up words. Strategery. It does. You understand it. You get to know me. We become family. We understand each other. How many of you have family members that use their own language and you know what they're saying got children that use their own language they know what I, we know what they're saying contentment means I don't need more to be happy I'm not waiting for more to be happy and once you've got step one then we start looking a little bit deeper what does it take in these counterculture changes what does it take to slow down and I want you to realize that your mouth controls a huge portion of the pace that you go at 
the way and the speed and how you talk to other people influences your heart rate and it influences your stress level. Here's the second counterculture thing. You must listen before speaking. Ooh, that one's hard. The second strategy from God's Word for slowing down. And you know, it's very obvious that we, li we live in a nation of interrupters. Just turn on the TV. We don't let people complete their sentences. We talk over each other. You see it on talk shows, on radio programs. You watch it on the news. People interrupt each other. They butt in. Three or four people talk at the same time and nobody's listening. Everybody's talking all at the same time. Why is that? Why has America gotten so rude? And one of the answers is the speed of our life. And we've become unpatient and unwilling to let people finish a thought. We're so, it's so important to us that everybody hears us. Hear what I have to say. And then the other person starts to talk and you've already either checked out or walked off. I catch myself doing it. We don't let people finish a thought. I do this. You do this. Everybody does this. It's something we need to work on. Look right here in James chapter 1. Everyone. Who? Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Notice a couple things. If you do the first two, the third's usually pretty automatic. If you're quick to listen... And if you're slow to speak, I guarantee you, your ability to get angry will slow down. If you've got an anger problem, here is one of the solutions, the antidote to your anger. Learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak. What does this show us? It shows us that we have control over these three areas of our life, right? If the Word says you need to do this, the Lord's given us the power to accomplish His Word. He hasn't put anything in His Word that we can't accomplish. He hasn't given us some task that we can't accomplish, right? God simplifies it, makes it very simple for us, and we can accomplish. We can be successful in His plan. The, the, the Word of God is not so difficult that we can't accomplish. Now, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the Lord. But with the Lord's help... We can do all things. Now I want you to catch this. We should be quick to listen. That means that we can learn to listen. And we can learn to be slow to speak. You may talk a thousand, mile, a thousand words a minute. But you can learn to slow down your speech. And I don't mean talk slowly. I mean be slow to speak and be slow to become angry. You have an anger problem? Let me tell you, you have control over that anger. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the upper hand on your anger problem. The problem is you've allowed your anger problem to have the upper hand on you. Sometimes you just got to stand up and make a change. Sometimes you got to die to your pride and say, I've messed up, I am going to change. How many knows that's the... That's the Christian walk. I need the Lord. I don't have it all together. I need to change. 
Church, we need to change. We need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. You may say, I don't have an anger problem. Yeah, you do. If you're quick to listen, and if you learn to be slow to speak, I guarantee you, you'll be slow to become angry. We all have an anger problem. Some of us, some of you, some of us, some, some of you, hide it better than others. I don't hide mine quite as good. Some people blow up. Some people clam up. Everybody is either a skunk or a turtle. When you get angry, if you're a stunk, skunk, you stink up the place. Everybody knows when you're upset. If you're a turtle, you just pull back into your shell. You just completely disconnect. And it's funny how turtles marry skunks. It's not good when you have two skunks. <laughs> it's not good when you have two turtles. But usually the skunk marries a turtle. My wife is very slow to get angry. She's very, she, she handles herself very well. I sometimes am a little easier to, to read. Uh, I'm not going to ask how many skunks there are in the house today. But Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2. What does it say? There we go. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God's in heaven. You're on earth. So let your words be few. Now, as I was reviewing back over this, and I, I, don't, have, I don't have enough time to... Maybe I do. I, I told Elizabeth, she said, what are you preaching on this week? And I said, slow down. And I said, I'm trying to go slow on slowing down. She said, well, good luck with that. You don't go slow at anything. Well, I'm trying. And here I am. I'm wanting to stay on target. But I was reading this yesterday. And this isn't thus saith the Lord, but I felt like I had a God humor moment with me with this word do not be quick with your mouth don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God God's in heaven you're on earth so let your words be few I feel like it's saying I'm God you're not shut up we've got an expression in our house it's a way we don't like to say shut up and I've kind of learned to say it this way and it still doesn't sound good it's still something that I won't hardly let my kids say but it's shut it it's harsh shut it just, and it, they laugh. They know I'm not being serious. But I can feel right here the Lord saying, do you realize who I am? Do you realize who you are? So let your words be few. You don't have to talk a whole lot. You're my child. I'm in your corner. Quit defending yourself. Quit speaking when you don't need to speak. You don't need to. I got it. The Lord is saying, I have got it under control if you will let me lead. Can I lead through you? Can I lead through you? And think about how different your words would be if with every response, now I'm not talking about when your parents ask you, did you brush your teeth? You don't have to wait for the Lord. Lord, give me a word. What do I say right here? Uh, yes, I brushed my teeth. I'm just saying when you're about to make a decision, when you're walking through things in your life or with your marriage, think how different your response would be if you stopped for a moment. Just said, Holy Spirit, help me. 
pause and then speak. Your whole way of communicating will change. Now, how easy is that? It's not easy. It's not easy to seek the Lord in your thoughts. It's not easy to seek the Lord before your mouth speaks. Don't be quick with your mouth. Watch the words you speak and be slow to speak. Did you know that slowing your speech will slow down your life? It'll give you more credibility. When you have two salesmen, who would you more likely put your trust in, the slow speaker or the fast, slick speaker? They come on TV and they say, you ought to buy this drug. That takes about five seconds of a 30-second message. And then the next 25 seconds is saying you should not take this because it might cause you to die, it might cause your hair to fall out, it might cause you diarrhea. It's joy when you take this drug. We're just covering it. You can't hear it. Oh, this is the greatest drug, but it may cause you this. But you've really got to listen and rewind and rewind. What does it cause? What does it cause? I don't want that. Or you read the fine print of a contract. You better read it. That's fast talk. That stuff you don't pay attention to, it'll sneak up and get you. What's he trying to pull over me when you talk fast? Do you know it says that when there's a lot of words, sin is not far away? Do you know that scripture? I believe it's in Psalms. I'll I'll have it for second service. I don't have the scripture reference, but it says when there are a lot of words, sin's not far. There's an organization on the internet called slowdownnow.org which teaches people how to slow down their lives and their words. Proverbs 29 verse 20 says, Do you see a man who speaks in haste? In other words, who opens his mouth before you engage your mind? There's more hope for him. There is more hope for a fool than for him. You know, one thing I've learned as a public speaker is to pause between words. If you want to be an effective communicator, pause. Sometimes for effect. People get it better. You know, I've I have read of a of a pastor who people would fall asleep in his congregation. Of course we don't do that here. But the way to get them to wake up is to stop speaking. Because silence will make you uncomfortable. You go numb to mundane blah, 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 and then what happened? Well, nothing. There was just silence. Silence makes a difference. Once you get the heart and the mouth slowed down, we start with the heart. We've got to be content with where we are. doesn't mean we don't drive. doesn't mean we don't push. doesn't mean we don't have goals. But we are content with where we are. And then we start dealing with our mouth, our anger, slowing down. Number three, counterculture. This is the last one I'm going to start with today, end with. You obey the fourth commandment. Anybody know what the fourth commandment is? The Bible is filled with instructions about living the kind of life God made us to live. Healthy living. He made us. He understands us. He knows us like no one else knows us. He is our creator, so he ought to have the right to tell us how to live. Moses went up on the mountain and he came down with the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up and he gets them. And one out of the ten, one of the ten is about rest. Are the Ten Commandments important? 
Yes, they are the law, they are the word of God, they are perfect. Exodus chapter 20 verse 9 says, You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is the day of rest dedicated to me. Sorry, that's gross. Forgive me, I won't do that again. God says, it is so important that I'm putting it in the Big Ten. God says, you take a day off every week. That's called the Sabbath, which literally means a day of rest. So God says, every seventh day, I want you to do this. It's so important that when God made creation, he made it in six days and rested on the seventh. Now, does God get tired? No. But he, he did that to show us the importance of how we need rest. How working six days and resting one is right. And it says it is dedicated to God. Dedicated to me. Jesus said we weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to serve us. One out of seven. That's how God designed it. That's how God made us. And it is so easy to violate. And it's especially difficult if you're self-employed, if you own your own business. It's so easy to think, if I can just put one more day, one more hour into this, I'm going to get so much more out of it. And I found that working every day doesn't work. Anybody ever done that? I become more irritated with my family. I become more ir irritated with the people I work with. I become more tired. I don't get as much done. It just doesn't work. God says, I want you to do this. He wants me to do this. It's also important to think, how do I do it? What do I do on the Sabbath? If you're not careful, like a lot of us, you'll come home from work and think of all the work you can do at home. And you wind up wearing yourself out worse. You've not rested. You've just made it worse. In, in fact, at the end of the day, you're more tired than you started. And you think, I, I better get back to work so I can get some rest from the work I'm doing at home. Anybody ever felt like that? I just want to go back to work. What do we do on the Sabbath to actually take a day of rest? And let me tell you, this is what I, Elizabeth and I, just about a month ago, I mentioned to her, this is before I ever thought about going down this road, we need to think about the Sabbath. We need to think about our day of rest. I get a day off on Friday. She gets a day off on Friday. And we wind up working most Fridays. I work a lot of Saturdays. But we find ourselves running, 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 even on those days. Well, how can I, how can I slow down? How can you slow down? How can we have a day of rest? I'm going to give you three ways. I'm going to tell you it first, then we're going to go into them. I rest my body, I recharge my emotions, and I refocus my spirit. Now, church, this is where I am. This is what I'm trying to do myself. Sabbath. Number one, we rest our body. If you don't take off time off, your body is going to make you take time off. Your best requires rest. Your best requires rest. And you know, we live in an over-adrenalized society. 
we run, run, run. When we're not running, we feel weird about it. But God has made us to need rest. If your car, if it overheats, what do you do? You turn it off. Why won't we do that with our life? How many of you are overheating? <laughs> You're spewing out antifreeze all over your life. Anybody? If your car was doing it, you'd stop. God says if you don't take one out of seven, if you keep pumping the adrenaline all day, every day, eight days a week, your engine is going to explode. Your best requires rest. In history, after the French Revolution, the entire nation decided to stop taking Sundays off. They thought they'd get more done. It wasn't long until they reinstituted it, it as a day of rest because the entire health of the nation was failing. If you don't slow down by choice, circumstances are going to force you to slow down. God says, I want you to make the choice. Rest your body. Then recharge your emotions. Just like being quiet, reconnecting in relationships, being together with other people. The kind of recreation that rejuvenates. I'm not talking about competitive recreation. Some of you are not getting recharged out on the golf course. I know you're using the Lord's name, but that's not the way to use the Lord's name. It's the, it's the Golden Eagle going on right now. I know it is. I played in it forever. Uh, then I got married on that weekend. So I don't play in the Golden Eagle anymore. Hallelujah. I've been married 19 years successfully, happily, because I don't play on the Golden Eagle anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I come off the golf course opposite of recharged. I'm sweating like I've been digging a ditch all day long, and I'm stressed out, and that's not a good way to relax. Not for me. Some of you maybe. Not me. How do you rejuvenate? And I'm not, hear me, I'm not coming against my golfers. I love, I love golf. But we recharge our emotions, we slow down, we start to build on things that are important and we realize what stresses you out and what doesn't and we don't do that on, on our Sabbath. Finally, we refocus our spirit. That's worship. You don't take a day off from God, you worship. Worship puts life into perspective. No sport can do that, no hobby can do that. As enjoyable as those things are and those things that I need recreation... I need to put my life into perspective by remembering how great God really is. You know how rejuvenating it is to remember who God is in my life? When we slow down for a minute and remember how great God is, and we can reflect on everything He's done, we see the stones we've built up and said, Oh my goodness, we're going through such a problem, but do you remember what He did in that problem? That's my God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. You need time with Him. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. That's why He put you on this planet, was to spend time with you. That's what we're going to do for all eternity. We get so busy with our to-do list that we miss the most important thing that we were made to do. I refocus my spirit. You know, when I get to this point, I've got to start looking at my schedule. It doesn't happen automatically. I've got to schedule it. Look right here. 
Psalm 127, it's useless to rise in the morning and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? What? He enjoys giving rest. You call it a Sabbath, not a day off, but a day of Sabbath. Not to remind yourself, but to... When, when, you do, when you do that, you remind yourself not because you have to, but because God takes pleasure in giving it to you. And don't call it your day off. Call it your Sabbath. The reason why if you call it your day off, you'll cheat on it. You'll work through it. You'll go back into work. If you call it your Sabbath, you are giving it to the Lord. Do you see the difference in view? And what we're talking about is not optional. This is not optional. This is God's command, one of the Ten Commandments. If you really want to serve the Lord and you really want breakthrough, this is not optional. There's other scriptures in those Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit murder. We're all okay with accepting that. I'm not going to murder somebody. And if I do, it's really bad. But do you ever think every seventh day when we don't take that as a Sabbath, God doesn't see that the same as murder or adultery? Or Don't try to be God and don't try to play God and don't try to rate the top ten, the, the Ten Commandments, and I can get away with this one but not that one. Sabbath. Sabbath. You rest your body, you recharge your emotions, you renew your spirit. My day off is Friday, and Elizabeth and I both live a very fast life. But I'm trying very hard to learn how to stop and slow down. Trying to not be as available to the world. I know a pastor who one of his members got mad at him because they tried to contact him on his day off and he didn't respond. I got a hold of him. Why wouldn't you call me back? He said, man, it was my day off. He says, well, the devil doesn't take a day off. You know what the pastor said? The pastor says, you're right. And if I didn't, I'd be just like the devil. <laughs> don't, don't let that offend you. It's God's word. You need day offs. Days off. Day offs. Days off. It's biblical. It's going to improve you. It's going to make you better. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you more effective. Why? Because it's God's plan. It's the way you were created. You wouldn't try to use a can opener in a way it wasn't created to. You might try. You might try to just take it and beat on the can and try to get it to open that way, but that's not the way it was made. It was made to. Ah. We have no problem using our tools the way they were intended to be used. Same thing for us. We're intended to work six days and rest a seventh. We're not, we're not intended, we're commanded. It's not an option. You have to take a day off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor, I work two jobs. I'm trying to do everything I can to make ends meet. I want you to know God's got a way for you. 
I'm glad you've got two jobs. I'm not saying quit your job. But I am saying take the Word of God seriously in your life and try your best to apply it according to His Word and His will. God will make the way. God will make the way. We need rest. You know, that pastor said, if Satan wants to wear himself out, by all means, go ahead. But God didn't create me that way. He created me to take a day off. Jesus taught to move forward and move back, advance and retreat. He'd go into intense times of ministry and then he'd take time off. Intense times of ministry and then take time off. There are ebbs and flows. These are the counterculture moves. Learn contentment. Stop comparing myself. Get out of the rat race. Even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Get out of it. Get out of that spinning wheel. Get your feet on the ground. Work on your mouth. Slow to speak. Stop interrupting. Let people finish their thoughts. We all need to work on this and obey the fourth commandment. Church, I want you to try real hard to find that day and take that day. Isn't that a good word? We need rest. You need rest. I'm not trying to say just the ministers need rest. No, you need rest. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard. It's hard for me. I, am a, I wake up and I want, an, I want order. Where do we go? What do we do? How are we going to do it? Elizabeth's not that way. I don't know. I don't have an agenda, but we'll just find it as we go. I, I'm like, huh? No. Can we at least plan to not have an order? I've, I've said that before. Can you just tell me we're not going to have any order today? Okay, that's on my agenda. No order today. Ah, oh, okay. And you know what? I can relax. Take a day off once a week. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with your spouse. Spend time with your feet up. Relax. Stop stressing. Retool, re-energize so that when Monday comes, you're full. You're ready. Let's go. Will you all stand up with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you, Lord, that your word would become manifest, would, would manifest itself in our life. Lord, that your word about the Sabbath, that you would reveal to us the truth in how to walk this thing out in our life. Lord, that goes for my life and every person here. That we cannot offend or spit on your word by working through it. Lord, I do not want to offend. I do not want to come against your word in any way. And I do it every week by slipping a little bit of work in on these days. Lord, help me on the six days to work hard. To bring glory to your name in the way that I work. But on the seventh day, Lord, help me to slow down. Help me to focus on my family. Help me to focus on you. Help me to focus on being obedient to your word. And Lord, I ask you in that obedience and in that desire that you bless me for it. Church, I'm speaking this over myself, but I encourage you to speak it over you. Lord, as we as a church try to fulfill your word, that you bless us. That you cover us. Give us breakthrough, Lord.
give us breakthrough. You may be here and just need prayer. You may be saying, Pastor, I'm about to fall apart. I need prayer. I don't know Jesus. I've ran away from Jesus. I am not fulfilling my call. I'm not fulfilling the, the, the life that the Lord has called me to. You may have a health issue. You may have a, a financial issue. Let us pray with you this morning. Step out. Lay your pride down and step out. Let us pray with you. Those that are ministering, come on down. We're going to give you just a moment for us to pray with you. Please take this moment. Set your feet back on the ground. Set your feet back on the solid rock. And allow the Lord to work in your life as we sing.